Pasuk says in this week's parsha. Yitzchak brought Rivka to the tent of Sarah, his mother. He took Rivka, she became his wife, he loved her, and he was comforted for the loss of his mother. This is how Yitzchak got over the loss of his mother, by marrying Rivka. Rashi explains, listen to the words of Rashi here. He brought her home, and she became like a dugma. What's the English word for a dugma? An example. She became like his mother. She became like the likeness of his mother. Because all week long, when Sari Imenu was alive, the Shabbos candles would last the entire week until the next Shabbos. And there was a special blessing in the dough. It's not exactly clear what that means. Some say it means it never spoiled. Others say it means that the guests that were fed from the food of Sari Imenu, from the Isa, from that bread, they filled up very fast. The Anan Kashur and there was a cloud attached to the tent. So there was a, a presence there. Umishamesa Pasku. And when Sari Imenu died, all of these three miracles ended. And when Rivka came to the tent, so all the miracles came back. So there's a question here, it's an obvious question. What is the significance of the fact that the miracles returned? Like, why is that such a big deal? Why does that provide a nechama for Yitzchak? Why is that like, oh, good, the miracles are back. So, yeah, but your mother's still not here. Like, I'm, I'm glad the miracles are back, but what has that got to do with your mother? Your mother passed away. So why does that provide some sort of consolation? And what is the nature of these miracles? And what are we meant to learn from any of this? So what I want to do tonight is a little bit different than what we usually do. I'm going to ask for your November Torah Devorah selves, which is different than your September Torah Devorah selves, because you've already been here for two months. You're growing, you're steiging. So I'm going to ask for your patience and your focus. Patience I know I have, focus I know I have less of. So if we can focus, I'm going to try to share with you something that I think is exceptionally meaningful. You'll see on the board here that I wrote three names. Yiska, Sarai, and Sara. On the top of the board, we have five categories. An attribute, a miracle, Besamikdosh, an elevation of reality, and finally, a specific mitzvah. These three names, Yiska, Sarai, and Sarah, are all three names that Sarah Imenu had in the very beginning of her life. So the Pasuk will do Yiska first, and you'll see how each one develops. The Pasuk says as follows. Who's Yiska? So the Gemara says as follows. Amr of Yitzchak. Yiska Zusara. The Sari Imenu that we're talking about, her original name, the Ben Yishchai writes, her original, and the Ben Yoyada writes this as well, when she was younger, before she changed her name to Sarai, her original name was Yiska. And why is she called Yiska? The Gemara gives two reasons, and we're going to see that these reasons are one and the same. 
Rashi quotes this Gemara, but we're quoting from the Gemara itself. Number one, she saw visions. Sachach from Alashan of visions, of sight. She had visions of Ruach HaKodesh. And the second is, Everyone would look at her because she was very beautiful. So the first attribute of Yiska, what would you call it? What would you say the first attribute of Yiska is? Beauty? Vision. Vision. Or sight. Either, we'll call it sight, either the vision of others, meaning that would be her beauty, or alternatively, the way that she saw the world, that's Ruach HaKodesh. That's the attribute of Yiska. Now remember, there were three miracles. What were the three miracles that took place in the life of Sarah? The Nair, Shabbos, was lit from week to week. The Isa, the, the dough, had a special blessing. And the Anan, the cloud, was over the tent. Which one would you say most appropriately goes with Yiska? The candles. The candles. Why? Because you see the light. The nature of a candle is to illuminate. So the miracle that's associated with Yiska, we're going to call it Shabbos L'Shabbos. That the candle was lit from week to week. Anybody know anything in the Beis HaMikdosh? The menorah? The menorah in the Beis HaMikdosh. Very good. The Nermaravi. Never extinguished. Now here's where it gets a little tricky. This one I'm not going to ask you to do. I'll do the elevating reality one in a moment. What mitzvah do women have more primarily than men? The mitzvah of candlelighting on Erev Shabbos. You have the mitzvah of Hadlakas Neiros. So far so good? Everyone got this. This is clear. You're going to see why I'm doing it on the board like this. I never do this. Let's take the name Sarai. Let's go to stage two. After Sarai Menu, after she's a child, of course she's still Yiska, you take your inner child with you. But now she's in stage two, she's Sarai. What does the word Sarai mean? What did you say? Princess is not correct. But it's close. Somebody else said it? My princess. My princess. Well, okay, okay, okay. It's a Rashi. That's where she knows it from. It's a Rashi. It's a Rashi that's quoting a Gemara. But the Gemara says, and there's a reason why my princess is different than princess, that Sarai means my princess. So that's her attribute. Not just princess, but my princess. Okay. We will explain in a moment. Now, Sarai, at this stage of her life, I'm going to share with you what her life looked like. If you're Sarai, remember, Avraham was Makarev the men, and Sarai was Makarev as the women. So what was she spending her time doing? Kirov. And what did that look like? She had a tent. She invited everybody into that tent. And what did she teach them in that tent? She didn't teach them Tyra. Well, that was very from. <laughs> Girls, she treated them with dignity. 
That was the greatest Kirov in the world. She brought them into her home, and she said, in this home, you are treated like a godly being. What does it look like to treat someone as a godly being? If somebody walks into your home and they're hungry, what do you do? You feed them. If somebody needs to be bathed, what do you do? You bathe them. You take care of them. Which miracle... Try this again. Which miracle and why, which miracle and why would be most appropriately associated with the name Sarah? Yes. Chala, because she made them feel, she made them feel good, and Chala rises. Okay, so in other words, you're recognizing that the miracle of the blessing in the bread, whether it was the fact that the bread didn't spoil, or whether it was the fact that the bread satiated them in amazing ways is obviously identified with the fact that she was acting as, we haven't explained it yet, my princess. So that would be the miracle, we'll call it the miracle of the challah. And just so you finish us off, what mitzvah is obviously going to be associated with this? The mitzvah of afrashat challah on Shabbat. Yeah? Afrashat challah. In the base of Mikdash, the lechem hapanim, excellent. In the base of Mikdash, the lechem hapanim never went stale. Okay? So, so far so good. This makes sense. We're skipping elevating reality. Last one. Sarah means princess. Not my princess, but princess. What's the difference? We'll see in a moment. Sarah means princess. What happens when Sarah Imenu gets the name Sarah? She goes from being my princess to being princess. What happens on that day? Her name is changed to Sarah and she's told? When she got? When she got what? When she got? Correct. When she was told you're going to have a child. So what miracle do you think of the three miracles? Remember there were three miracles we spoke about already. Shabbos Shabbos that the Nair was lit, Shabbos Shabbos. We spoke about the bracha in the Isa. What miracle is left? The Anane Hakavo. The Anan that was over the, over the tent. Now, do you girls really understand that yet? No. Doesn't seem to make so much sense yet, right? Don't worry, it will in a moment. And obviously in the Beis HaMikdash, the presence of the Shechina, or the, uh, or the Anane Akavot over the Mishkan. But we'll call it the presence of the Shechina, and obviously, what mitzvah would go along with this? Taras HaMishpacha, okay? Tumas HaMishpacha is a different thing. Taras HaMishpacha. Because, if the whole point is going to be bringing a child into the world and bringing Shechina to your home then this Paras HaMishpacha Mitzvah is going to be the one that expresses that the most. Now that you have the board outside of the elevating reality, I want to try to show you something very deep. You girls with me so far still? Yes. I have your focus? Yes. Okay, great. I have your energy, I just want to have your focus. Okay. There's three levels of operating within reality. The first level of operating within reality Want to remember the word I used? 
assuming that I wrote it down. Yes. The first level is called disavel. Disavowal of the material. I want to explain this idea for a moment to everybody in the room. You ready? It goes like this. In the beginning, when you're trying to become a spiritual person, when you're in the throes of your Shana Aleph, and you're making decisions about... I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to speak about it nicely, but I hope that everyone will understand what I'm talking about. Yeah? Before we start this, L'chaim. This is going to be a rough one, okay? There's a, uh, there's a process that some girls might go through. And the process might sound anything like... Um, we're going to get through it together. It's going to be okay. There's a certain person in the world who perhaps is of the other half of the gender, you know, like the other half of the species, yeah? And... Because I'm a from girl, what am I going to do? Maybe it's time for me, we'll only speak twice a week and only for 15 minutes and only when it's been a storm. He's really such a good guy. I really feel like he helps me grow. But there's a certain disavowal of the material. You understand what I mean by that? There's a certain like, I have to leave this part of my life behind. I have to cut that off. I can't be involved in it. It's too messy. It's too dirty. I just can't be in that place right now. So there's always that moment I don't know if this girl is in the room right now, but there's, because I don't know who she is, but there's always a moment when a guy comes over to me and goes, Rebbe, you're teaching Tomer Devo, right? No. You know what I'm saying? You know that, you know that thing? So I'm looking around the room to try to make eye contact to try to see which one of you it is, but too many of you have betrayed faces right now. So I tried to figure it out. I'll, I'll go back later and say I tried. It didn't work. Okay. So, um, so then there's like that decision. No, 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 no. We, we, we broke it off for the year. We broke it off for the year. We're not, we're not going down that road. Maybe we'll see. I spoke to her by Rosenstein. Maybe like afterwards, if it's still Shayach, we could see. I heard that one time there was a boy from Abbasard and a girl from Tomer Devora that Berg broke them up and then he was their Shayach and put them back together and now they're married. Is it a true story? Yeah. yeah. yeah but that's not the point, right? The reason, there's a, step one is a disavowal of the material. That's when we talk about the ner being lit, may Erev Shabbos, le Erev Shabbos, you know what that means? It means the holiness is connected to each other. It means the holiness of the first Shabbos is connected to the holiness of the second Shabbos. And it, it rises above the material world, right? It's not, it's not shyach to the material world. Because in the material world, what would happen to a fire after it runs out of energy? After it runs out of oil? After it runs out of wick? What does it do? It dies out. But in a certain way, this experience rises above the physical world. If you think about what sight is, what is sight? What is Ruach HaKodesh? Normally, what can I see? Girls on their phones. Right? That's what I can see. If I look really far into the back of the room or the side of the room, right, I can see girls on their phone. Because, I'm just saying. Yeah? I'm not saying I'm just saying if you know what I'm saying. Okay, now. Yeah? By the way, it doesn't work. I say it, but it doesn't mean that the girls get off their phones. I, just, I want you to know that I know that it doesn't work, but I say it just for my own entertainment. I'm here just to entertain myself. Okay? Now, what, what prevents me from seeing the future? What, pre what prevents me from seeing, I don't know, 5,000 meters away? Because at some point, my sight runs out. What does Ruach HaKodesh mean? Ruach HaKodesh means I have boundless sight. 
Do you understand what that means? Ruach HaKodesh means I can tell you what's coming. I have a, a, an understanding of, the, of this world that rises beyond the physical nature of the world. Here's where it gets really cool. What's beauty? Beauty is also, if you really know what beauty is, beauty is seeing beyond what the physical representation is. And this is where the Western world messed everybody up. Because they taught you that what is beauty? They taught you that beauty is physical. They taught you that beauty is makeup. They taught you that beauty is skirts and dresses and all these things. It has nothing to do with beauty, and I'll prove it to you. You know that guy that was good-looking until he opened his mouth? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. like he was good-looking, but then for like five minutes he spoke, and you just wanted to like... Yeah, because like the arrogance was so thick that you're like, you know, talking right? And he, like, and he, and he, you know, he's like, he's like, bro, I'm just not that guy. He's like, you are that guy. That's not attractive to anybody, right? No, I'm telling you, like, no cap. This is like for real. Like, I'm not like the guys out there riding horses. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like. It's too much. <laughs> Yeah. It's more like too accurate. It's OD. <laughs> oh my god, he's so relevant. Anyway, the uh, I just have to keep you girls entertained because it's hard to look at a board. I understand what I'm doing here. This is called education. No, it's called entertainment. Okay, the um, and then you have an older couple and you're looking at each other, you're looking at this older couple. Yeah, I'm like, I'm talking about a really old couple. You know what I'm talking about like like decrepit old, you know what I'm talking about? And they're married, and they look at each other, and they're like gazing at each other, and you're like, what are you looking at, right? But, but the truth is, the truth is, if you think about it, what's real sight? Real sight is they've spent so much time seeing past all the other stuff that they actually see each other. Right? And as they see real, right? They're connecting on a real level. People always say this, it's like, it's hard to talk to Hashem because I can't see Him. No, it's hard to talk to you because I can People say it's hard to talk to Hashem because I can't see Him. No, it's hard to talk to you because I can see you. And because I can see you, I'm getting so confused by the things that you're... The, the looks on your faces as I'm speaking are very confusing. When, we, when two people are talking, we're not talking to each other's protoplasm, right? It's not... My protoplasm is talking to your protoplasm. There's a you inside of that protoplasm that's the one that's talking to the other one. And the protoplasm sometimes gets in the way. Which is why when you actually connect to the real you in that person, there could be amazing levels of attraction. Which is why that guy that you swore nothing would ever happen with, right? And you're like, Rabbi, I'm telling you, he's like my brother. It could never happen. It would be so weird. Our families wouldn't even know what to do with it. And besides, I don't see him that way, really. Like, I don't know how to say this nicely, but I don't see him that way. Six months later, remember that guy I was telling you about? I don't know. What, like, now he's like Ross. You know, like, it's like this, like, uh, you betrayed yourself. For those of you that laughed, now I know something about you. I grew up in the 90s. I have an excuse. You have no excuse. I have taste. That's my excuse. I understand. That's not great taste. The, the uh... <laughs> Sight, sight means seeing beyond. 
the ni- candles being lit, Me'erev L'Shabbos, L'Erev Shabbos, means they live beyond the physical reality of the world. The Ner in the Beis HaMikdash never extinguishes. It lives beyond. Because it's disavowed the material, and that's what we do every single week when we light Shabbos candles. For one day a week when we light Shabbos candles, what do we say? I'm not involved in the material world. I'm not building. I'm not doing anything. I'm not involved in the material world. You understand? That's level number one. There's a higher level. This level is called, in English, sublimation. To sublimate the physical means to extract the holiness from the physical. Which means that you have to be involved in the physical world, but you don't want to be involved in the physicality of the physical world. What do you want to be involved in? The kedusha of the physical world. You're not rising above, you're operating within, but you're extracting out the elements that are holy within the spiritual world. So far, so good? You understand this idea? I'm going to say it again. Absolutely. Make sure we get it. I'll give you an example to show you what it looks like. On its own, food is just food. But with a guest for Shabbos, giving to somebody who doesn't need, you're able to extract out from the physicality of that food the purpose of that food. It's like if somebody comes to your door, this is a crazy thing to say, if somebody comes to your door and asks you for a dollar, on its own, what is that dollar? It's a piece of paper. There's nothing about that piece of paper that's interesting to us. On the level of yiska, what would we say about that piece of paper? Rise above that piece of paper. Don't get involved in the piece of paper. On the level of sarai, what would we say? sublimate that piece of paper. Extract out the kedusha from that piece of paper. Use it to give tzedakah. Use it to make someone's life better. Right? On its own, it's just a vest. When you buy that vest, put it in a box and send it off to a soldier, that's a mitzvah. Right? So you're extracting out the nitzot, the spark of kedusha that's within that physical reality. Does that start to make sense now? Now, from this perspective... Who do you relate to? Do you relate to everybody in the whole world? Who do you relate to? You relate to those people that you can extract out their essence of Kedusha. You don't relate to the evil people. You're not involved with the evil people. What do you want? You want to change lives. So if somebody comes to Sarai's tent and they say, I I need some food, what does she do? She says, of course I'm going to give you food because I'm involved in the materialism of the world in order to extract it out. And I see inside of you, and this is a level, I see inside of you a spark of Kedusha and I'm going to bring that out also. And I'm going to be your aristocracy. I'm going to be your princess. So she has in this level my princess, this is why it's not called princess, my princess is a limited type of experience. It's limited only to those things that I can extract out their Kedusha. If you go and you follow it down now. So what's the miracle? The miracle is, of course, that her challah never goes bad, that her challah satiates people. What's the nature of this challah? She extracted out all the physical elements and all she's left with is the Kedusha. The Kedusha, of course, will never go bad. And of course, in the Beis HaMikdash, that's what the Lechem HaPanim is. And of course, the mitzvah that we do when we make challah is we're mafresh challah. Mafresh challah means this is dough, but what's the dough for? The dough is for Shabbos. The dough is a mitzvah. That's level number two. In our lives, we have times where we disavow the material. 
I'm leaving that guy behind. It's my time to be inwardly focused and growth-oriented. That's level number one. Level number two is, this is my time to explore this shidduch, but in an appropriate way. So this time I'm doing it differently. This time it's not just a regular meetup. This time it's being done in a way that's designed to build a relationship of oneness. Do you hear the difference? It's not just walking down Central Avenue with him. Now all of a sudden it has meaning and purpose because you've extracted out the kedusha of that marriage or of that relationship. Does that make sense? Level number three, yeah? Yeah, meaning as opposed to, let's say, in my Shana Aleph, I'm disavowing myself of, working, of talking to these boys right now because I'm trying to focus on myself. There's a second stage when you grow up. After you leave the name Yiska and you become Sarai and you say, now it is appropriate for me to talk to Voy. But I'm doing it in a way that's holy. I'm engaging in the material world, but for the Kedusha of the material world. I'm not speaking to many guys, I'm speaking to one guy, and I'm trying to build an appropriate relationship with him that could lead to a relationship of oneness. Does that make sense? In Shana Aleph, that might not be the appropriate thing to do. But if you're still holding two, three years from now, if you're still going, no, 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 I don't talk to boys, that's a problem, right? That's not from anymore. Right? What was from when you're younger is not from when you're older. From when you're older is to go out and build a bias now and be a straw. Does that make sense? And this is the last one, and we'll finish with this, but it's the hardest one. I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. Please forgive me. The word, instead of sublimation, I meant to say is refinement. You're refining the physical. That makes much more sense. The final word is sublimation. Please forgive me. My error. In level number two, you're refining it. There is a third level, and this is the hardest one, but this is the one that I want you to focus in on because this is the goal of tonight's year. And I know that we've already been going for 25 minutes, and God knows that nobody's attention span could go that long because I haven't made a really good joke in about 30 seconds, so therefore I've lost that section of the room and that section of the room. But I'm working on getting them back. Even as I'm speaking now, I'm clearly failing, but I'm giving up. Okay, ready? I'll do this section of the room, this section of the room, and this section. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, it goes like this. If you believe in God, then you have to believe that every single thing in this world is godly, even those things that appear not to be. That's the highest level. On the first level, it's not godly, I'm disavowing it. It's mundane, it's physical. On the second level, I'm refining it, and I'm taking out the spirituality of it, and that's what I'm operating with. In the third level, I'm encountering all of it. All of it. To find godliness in the harder places. You know the, uh, you know the old joke, a man is on the ground at night, and he's, he's looking, he's searching for something on the ground, and somebody comes over to me and goes, what are you looking for? He goes, I lost my wallet. So the guy gets down on the ground, and he's like looking with him, and he goes, where'd you lose it? And he goes, about 30 feet that way. So he goes, so why are we looking over here? He goes, because it's too dark over there. <laughs> you understand? Lots of people do that. Lots of people look in the light because they're too afraid to look at the darkness. Lots of people in their life say... I don't want to pay attention to the hard stuff. I'll just work on the easy stuff. It's easy to find godliness in the spiritual. It's, even e- it's also easy. I shouldn't say even easier. It's also easy to find godliness in the physical when you're using it in, in a godly way. 
But if you are going to build for Hashem a dira betachtonim, that means every single element of creation needs to have its godliness discovered. That's the hardest thing of all. I'll give you an example of what this looks like in a relationship, but only if you girls are focused. It's easy to find each other when you're dating. That's not hard. You're dating a guy, you like a guy, everyone's excited, everyone's putting on their best self. It's easy to find someone when the relationship is going well. You're married, you're having good times, you're living your life. It's, it's, it's not like dating, but it's also easy. In the mundane aspects of life, even just having somebody sitting next to you, cutting up vegetables while you're making the soup, there's something beautiful about that. But can you find each other in the darkness? When everything is not going well at all? Can you stay loyal? Can you stay curious? Can you stay courageous? Can you stay engaged when appropriate? Can you push yourself and stretch yourself to be there for the other person? That is the hardest thing of all. If you do that, then you're going from being Sarai to being Sara. Sarai is the limited princess. She's only the princess over the Kedusha that she can extract. Sara is the princess over everything, Rashi says, the Gemara says. Everything. Not only the over the mundane parts of the world, not only within the mundane parts of the world, but even the actual mundane parts of the world themselves become vehicles to serving Hashem. And if you start to think about that, that's what a cloud is, no? That's what it means to have the Shekhinah's presence. When does the Shekhinah come into a home? When can you say you have a godly home? Remember that God is infinite. That means God is everywhere. Infinite means that godliness needs to permeate every aspect of your life. If you have a godly home, it means that your marriage, your children, your family permeate every aspect of your life. I'll give you an example of this. I'm here right now teaching you girls. It may appear that I'm teaching Tomer Devorah, Tomer Devorah girls, about Yiska, Sarai, and Sarah. But the truth is that as much as I am doing that, there's something else that's also going on. Tomer Devorah pays me to be here. This is part of supporting my family. This is part of the mission of our family. We're teachers of Torah in Tomer Devorah. I understand I'm having some of you girls for Shabbos. Or I should say my wife is having some of you girls for Shabbos. I'll be upstairs. <laughs> but the idea that your family permeates everything you do. Are you an accountant? Why are you an accountant? Is anybody waking up in the morning going, I don't even want the paycheck. I just want to do people's taxes. <laughs> I, like, I don't even want the money. I just get something like, when I figure out that equation, it's just like, yes. No. <laughs> if you're waking up like that, I mean, a whole mess of things have gone wrong in your life. When you have enough money, you retire from being an accountant. Unless people say, I have enough money to retire, but my accounting business is now supporting other people, and I don't want to close the business because of the good that I'm doing for them. Meaning there's something larger. Everything is part of something bigger. That's when you have the Shekhinah. That's when the Anan covers your house. That's when the Shekhinah enters the Beis HaMikdash. That's the Halachas of Taras HaMishpacha. The halachas of Taras and Mishpacha are designed to say that all aspects of our being are invited into this relationship. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to say that I will bring purity to every aspect of my family. But that's what we're called upon to do. We're really called upon to be all three of these people. We're called upon to be Yiska. Sometimes we have to rise above. 
We're called upon to be sarai. Sometimes it's not my time to get involved in the darkness. I just have to extract out the lesson from that thing. I just have to take away the good from that thing and leave the bad. And sometimes there's times to get involved in the darkness of your life. And I'll leave you with this. I'm sure you've heard this before. The Medrash says that Rebbe Kiva was teaching. And like me, he had some... I have some Talmidot that are falling asleep. He had Talmidim that were falling asleep. And Rebbe Kiva knew how to wake them up. He said, just like Esther Amalco ruled over 127 provinces, so too, Sari Imenu lived for 127 years. What in the world does one have to do with the other? What's the connection between Sari Imenu and Esther Hamalka? And the answer to you now should be obvious. Esther Hamalka ruled over the entire world because Sari Imenu ruled over the entire world. And when those Talmidim were tired, and they were tired because they were in a state of life where they were battling the Romans, and they were being persecuted. They weren't tired because they were sleepy because it was 7.15 at night. They were tired because it was tiring. Aren't we tired? Right now, aren't you tired? I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling like the world is burning. I'm tired of turning on my, turning on my phone and people sending me videos of like the craziest, what, what looked to me like Nazi rallies, tearing down posters, Israel deserved this. Only in 2023, in the most woke generation ever, could somebody come up with the brilliant idea to blame Israel for the murder of 1,500 of our own citizens. I'm tired. I'm tired, and I know you're tired too. How many of us are tired of the war? How many of us are tired? I don't really talk about it anymore. Spiritual, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Every shear is about the war. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm tired. I'm tired too. If you're tired, I'm tired too. The war is going on, so we, have to, we can't be tired. But the answer that Rav Akiva was giving his Talmidim is, if you guys want to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the world, you have to be willing to fight the darkness. You can't just get tired. Sari Menu ruled over the entire world. That's what gave Esther Amalka the ultimate destiny that she too was going to be queen over the entire world. That's our responsibility. If you're a Jew and it's easy, that's nice. But that's not what it's about. A ger is asked before they become a ger, would you be with us when you're persecuted? Because to be a Jew means you know that you're going to face the ultimate darkness of the world. The question is, are we Yiskai? Are we Yiska? Sarai or Sarah. Girls, have a wonderful Shabbos.